Hello and welcome to Radio SGN. I am one of your humble hosts, A.V. Eichenbaum, and I'm joined here with Lindsay Anderson, calling in from her hometown. Hello, yes, I'm in Spokane. It's beautiful, very conservative. <laughs> I feel mixed feelings about it. And unfortunately, Hannah Saunders actually lost power during this crazy storm and won't be joining us, but, um, you know, our heart goes out to her if you... Uh, End up listening to this later, Hannah. (laughs) Say hi to Clifford. Yeah, exactly. Say hi to Clifford. Folks, this is the podcast for the SGN, which is a weekly newspaper for the LGBTQ plus community that's been printed for 47 years. I had the absolute privilege of taking over for distribution while Lindsay was out of town. I have a question for you, actually, about that. Absolutely. Did you use a wagon or were you just walking around with, like, a huge stack? I used my backpack. Okay. Lindsay usually does distribution in Capitol Hill. I did that route first with my partner. If you live in Capitol Hill and you listen to the podcast, there are 77 stops within your immediate vicinity, within about four miles of your place, I can guarantee you. Uh, Just ask for the SGN anywhere in Capitol Hill, Eastlake. The University District has a lot of it. Um, But enough about that. What? Oh, well, I was going to just add, and this week only, we have four golden tickets going out in each of the papers, <laughs> so go, go pick one up. You could tour the church that we work in if you find one. Yes, if you find a golden ticket and bring it directly to the SGN offices, I will, of course, dressed in a tuxedo and top hat, roll down the stairs to greet you. I'll be an Oompa Loompa. And we will show you the two rooms that make up the SGN offices. And then you can buy me a coffee. Speaking of dressing up, it's Halloween week. It's the Halloween spooktacular. Did you decide on a costume? Did we already talk about this? Um, I have decided on a costume. I'm kind of narrowing it down between two options. So mm. one is um, me and Isabel have been watching Friends because, you know, we missed the memo. Mm-hmm. Barely existing in the 90s. Mm-hmm. You know, we're roommates, basically. You know, all these girls want to be like, Monica and Rachel, but we're like, we have Joey Chandler vibes, so I want to be Joey and Chandler, and then I want to dress our pets up as the chick and the duck, Mm -hmm. but then other than that, we're really thinking like Velma and um, Shaggy, because we like to take that, you know, oh, people think we're going to be Velma Daphne. No, no, I have Shaggy vibes. I'm Shaggy, you know. Are you going to go as like, what's new Scooby-Doo Shaggy? Are you going to go as like... Cyber Chase Shaggy. Let's get deep into the oh, lore well, of this yeah. queer Actually, podcast. The lore of Scooby-Doo is very fascinating to me. It was mm-hmm. my favorite thing ever for years. I had a Scooby-Doo themed bedroom as a kid. Um, and Cyber Chase is, I think, one of the best movies. But no, I will be going as Shaggy from... Do you remember the live action Scooby-Doo they did in like 2002? Oh, too well. The sequel one, he drinks a potion and turns mm-hmm. into having a chick's body. So I'm doing right. that. I'm going to be, there's like a sound on TikTok that's Shaggy going, oh my God, I've got a chick's body. And that's that's going to be me. With a little goatee. Yeah. Um, I was thinking I got some little vampire fangs. I don't know where they are. I was going to go as a vampire. Do you need fake fangs? I feel like you've got real ones. <laughs> well, I do. Um, we were talking about this before we recorded, but you, through the last few months, uh, have continued to insinuate that you believe I am an actual vampire. Yes, I genuinely believe that you are a vampire. Um, you know, just the more that you talk about 
your your personal life it's like mm. you've lived too many lives for it to have just been you know what 29 years 26, 26. thanks yeah no i i agree um i've done a lot i've done a lot of stuff um you you just, keep you're always busy. wearing dark clothes as well you know slimming yeah I, I don't think i've ever seen you in the sunlight like why do you live in seattle where it rains all the time i did grow up in the garlic capital of the world so i mean no vampires there no i i think that's a convenient excuse you know um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or you, you turned into a vampire and then had to leave mm. i'm still piecing together the answers but you give off colon vibes you know not Edward, but the the one that just stares. I've I have never seen those movies. I don't think that they're very accurate. See, but how, why would you say that? You would what? know. You would know. <laughs> well, we talked about this on the show. I had a vampire phase growing up as a kid, as a lot of neurodivergent, you know, burnout. Vampires? Oh. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Actually, let's think about this. Like, from a logistics perspective, I would have to figure out, like, I don't leave my apartment a whole lot. I'm very, I mean, I don't, I, I do miss the sun quite a bit. I have a sun lamp just for all of this. I have to use it every day. Um, but I get a lot of delivery food. Most of my, most of my budget goes to delivery because I hate going out in the cold and the wet. I would have to figure out, like, a blood bag DoorDash. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know all the lore of the vampires, but uh, Marceline from Adventure Time, she just has to drink the color red. Mm. So it could, you know, you could just like drain red from things. I think that was a whimsical thing that they added for fun. Mm. That show's really dark. That is, if you're looking for a Halloween show, Adventure Time. Yeah. Let's, Let's dive right into the paper. It's a spicy, spicy issue. Top of the pops. First page, right up front, Kathy Lambert has a history of racism and homophobia. And Hannah Saunders does this excellent expose outlining it with help from uh, Tom Rasmussen, who was on the show last episode. Kathy Lambert also has denied that she is a racist, despite putting out seemingly racist uh, pamphlets against her opponent because she does work in Africa. That is her whole reason. Um, she said, I do a lot of work in Africa, so if I had something against him, Zaley, because of his color, I wouldn't be doing the work I do in Africa. Let's walk through that logic real quick. I mean, I think you get into some very quick fallacies with that statement, right? Absolutely. If you break down the statement, she's saying that this man is black. I sometimes do work on the continent of Africa. Doing work in Africa is also like a really bizarre thing because I know a lot of upper middle class white people that do work in Africa and sometimes they will go as like a mission trip and they'll build a well or something and they'll take a lot of selfies. Oh, just complete volunteerism. Yeah, volunteerism. But also there's like, if you're a person who has an ongoing job, like a politician or a webmaster or something, and you say, well, I have all of these kids that I help in Africa. It's mostly just financial, and it's not work. 
oh no, I, I agree. I have so many thoughts on this, you know, like, first of all, these people spend so much money to go to a country in Africa, which is a continent, yeah. first of all. So she like, you know, doesn't even specify that she goes to Ghana or South Africa or wherever. Right. Um, you know, these people, they spend all this money to go there and then to integrate into a community for like a week. You know, these people, they start to build the fundamental parts of a relationship with them and then you just leave, which yeah. is, you know, it causes a lot of like abandonment issues, especially when people work in orphanages and with like children in these developing countries but then you know the money that they spent to come here and build a church they could have just sent that money over invested in the community and there are builders that live in these communities Mm -hmm. you know there are contractors there are people looking for jobs but instead they came over here they took a job from somebody that's a part of the community because they think that their whiteness makes them better or coming from america makes them better I don't know what, that it's some privilege to have these foreigners come. It's a highly problematic practice. Let's get back to what Kathy Lambert said. Yeah, sorry. Her, no, it's okay. So with all of that context in mind, how could she possibly be racist by connecting one black politician and the entirety of the continent of Africa through her own selfish charity work? How could that possibly make her a racist? I'm a big fan of logic puzzles. I'm just going to let that answer sit on the tongues of all of our listeners. I think you can figure it out. Kathy Lambert has also voted against pretty much every pro-LGBTQ plus initiative in King County. I, I hope she doesn't get reelected. Uh, at this point, I'm not sure if she's stepping down or not, but uh, yeah. we'll see. Uh, let's move right along. Some good news. Rachel Levine... One of the first breaking news stories I had as an editor at the SGN way back in March. <laughs> it feels like a decade ago. I know. Was appointed the nation's first transgender four-star admiral. Now, I have a lot of mixed feelings about the military. You know, support our troops, not the war. I think the budget is very bloated. But this is still historic, and it is still great news for equality. I don't know how you feel about this, Lindsay, but I feel like every step forward is great, especially for the trans community. We've been seeing a lot of pushback from conservatives uh, with the trans community. There are a lot of places where it's just not safe to be trans, and it's hard to be trans even in a liberal bubble because there's a lot of stigma and there's a lot of problematic helpfulness. You know what I mean? Like, it's microaggressions towards the trans community that liberal and progressive people who are cisgender don't always quite understand that they're doing it and uh, it can make people really upset it can offend a lot of people and it can be very hurtful but then it's like if you're a trans woman and you speak up about it oh you're too aggressive you know you're too masculine and that can be Mm -hmm. a huge thing for dysphoria if you're a trans man and you speak up about it it's like a whole other thing so It's great that we're getting a big sort of symbolic four-star admiral, uh, someone that is in the public eye. That's a really big step for history. I wish that we didn't have to uh, play into the military-industrial complex of our own nation in order to get something done, in order to get respect for the trans community. But, you know, it's it's a good first step. What are your thoughts? You know, I think that this is huge, especially moving off of the fact that just a couple of years ago, Uh, trans people weren't allowed in the military because of Donald Trump. So, you know, we're already seeing the effects of a a new 
a new person in office. That was just last year he was in office. Yeah. It's been a long year. Oh, my God. I know. Yeah. Was it? It was really last year? 2020. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Oh, my gosh. I forgot about the insurrection and everything. Mm-hmm. That was this that year. That was this year. God. But yeah, this is crazy. You know, progress is something we see happening really, really slowly. And yet, you know, to see somebody, I mean, I don't know enough about the military to give, you know, a very educated opinion on the position of like a four-star general, Mm -hmm. but it seems like it's a very big deal, um, especially then for someone that, you know, was banned from being in the military just a year ago. Yeah, you'll have to see it. We've got a lot more to cover, but... Um, We have a lovely little interview with Lars Moriendi, who writes our horoscope, and we do the horoscope during that interview. Lars reads it for us. Um, He's a real interesting, interesting guy, Um, but we'll get back to that. And then when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the book club that you did, Lindsay, and more. So stay tuned for that, okay? When you're the youngest sibling in a family of secret warriors who for generations have protected Seattle from monsters and demons, living up to your Lola's expectations is, in a word, daunting. Arts West presents We've Battled Monsters Before, a heartwarming tale of mythical proportions from the imagination of Lizard Boy creator Justin Huertas. Based on Filipino mythology, this new musical is a unique family story for the holidays. Playing from November 26th to December 26th, 2021. Online and in-person tickets available. Visit artswest.org for more details. Joining me today, we have uh, something a little different. I thought we'd do something a little fun for the Halloween Spooktacular. Uh, This person is the object of a lot of speculation around the SGN offices and... (laughs) Frankly, they are a uh, figment of my imagination. (laughs) This person is an alter ego that I created back in Santa Cruz Mm -hmm. several years ago when I was reading palms at parties, and um, now they write the horoscope for the SGN. Uh, Lars Moriendi, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I mean, you're talking to yourself. (laughs) Yeah, what are you going to do? You want to just start with the horoscope? Yeah, that'd be good. Thank you. All right. Seattle Spooky Horoscope. Aquarius, get in the spirit of the season. Go find somebody to dance with. Please check the stove to make sure you turned it off. Pisces, Dracula's not the only one who woke up on the wrong side of the coffin this evening. Sometimes things just suck. Don't be afraid to go take a bite out of life. Aries, you go, ghoul. Now's your time to shine. Taurus, live fantastically. There's so much out there that the world has to offer you. Gemini, beware of resting witch face. Brew up a pot of coffee and add a little extra eye of newt. You got this. Cancer, There are people out there just dying to meet you. No bones about it, you're going to be very popular this week. Leo, give them pumpkin to talk about this week. Don't forget to carve out some personal time for self-care and relaxation. Virgo, it might be time to redecorate your place or renew that wardrobe. Take a trip to your favorite thrift boutique 
and buy yourself a treat. Libra, you're going to have a monster of a time keeping it together this week. You could pull through with a little help from your fiends. Scorpio, take a moonlit walk through the nearest misty graveyard to clear your head. Howl at the moon. Sagittarius, don't lose your head. Keep it firmly attached to the rest of your body at all times. We don't want it to roll away again. Capricorn, you may be having a wicked good time right now, but be on the lookout. Dark clouds and stormy seas ahead. <laughs> those those puns are pretty dumb, man. How do you come up with that stuff? Uh, I try to keep it light. You know, it's sort of a tongue-in-cheek situation, but... Eventually, you know, you're right enough, you meet enough people, you can kind of focus on the energy or history of that star sign and write what's in your heart and you can be fun about it. There's no reason that uh, horoscope has to be serious. A lot of people don't take them seriously. Yeah, but I get this I get this a lot where people will be like, that horoscope writer is 100% accurate all the time. Uh, how, do you, how do you do that? Is that a skill? Is it just like you're just naturally gifted are you really psychic <clears throat> well i'm gonna i'm gonna plead the fifth on that one you know it's a gift it truly is a gift reading palms and telling fortunes is a lot about knowing people in generalizations but at the same time there's a real truth to what you can find in the mystery of the stars how do you reconcile the fact that you are a fictional character with your predilection for predicting the future good question good question Reality is what you make of it. I've always believed that. Reality is what you make of it. You can kind of create this uh, fabric of prediction or future, and it becomes real. There is a belief out there that once an idea is in your head, you can create it to be reality once the seed is sown. And I'm not going to say that's what's happening with horoscopes. They can very often become self-fulfilling prophecies. But, yeah, I'm not quite sure how it works. I just sort of focus on the star sign and just kind of happens. Well, Lars, uh, thank you so much for joining us. I don't really have a whole lot of questions, considering everything. But, you know, I hope that our listeners at home enjoyed this sort of goofy sidetrack. And we're going to get right back to the serious stuff in this week's episode. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, before you go... Don't trust anyone wearing blue on a Tuesday. That is a weird thing. That's very strange. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. And we're back. What a wild conversation that was. Brief, but powerful. Kind of a whacked out dude. I think he might be the Zodiac Killer. Oh, no, they found the Zodiac Killer. But did Allegedly. They really? No, I, I, don't, I don't think he's old enough to be the Zodiac Killer. Unless he's a vampire. Maybe. He, d- he did have that vibe. Most of my friends do, I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> let's talk about something spooky. Let's talk about the Georgetown Morgue and your experience with it. Um, you wrote this great review, and I'm just going to let you take it. Georgetown Morgue, that was, it was an adventure and a half for me, honestly. Um, I'm someone who is terrified of anything scary i haven't been to a haunted house since i was like 
five years old and passed out because of all the blood. Oh, wow. Yeah. And this was, you know, I feel like I could dip my toe in the water, gone to like, um, oh man, there's a haunted house up in Issaquah that's like outdoors. It's for like little kids. I was like, I could have done that first, but I went right into the most notoriously terrifying haunted house in Seattle. And, you know, it was worth it. It was worth every moment that I thought I was going to die because it was it was super cool. I did see that uh, Seattle Gay News' Instagram, at Seattle Gay News, had a nice little story about you going through it. And my favorite part was at one point someone was like, turn off your phone! Is they like... <laughs> and it was just... It, it was really great because I can't... I used to love haunted houses. Um, I can't do them anymore. Uh, they trigger my PTSD. But uh, mm. I'm so glad that you got the experience, you know. And to go and get into the Halloween spirit like that seems really yeah. great. Um, do you have any other... Do you have any recommendations for people who want to go? or like? Oh, I have so many recommendations. First of all, if you're anybody that is sensitive to strobing lights, um, I'm slightly sensitive to strobing lights, but I didn't realize that there... I mean, I should have done a little more research. Um, but anybody that might have, like, um, you know, an episode triggered by that, just know that there is a section of the house that, you know, go, it's got some bright flashing lights, so be aware of that. You know, just safety precautions. Any claustrophobic areas? Yeah, I mean, there were. I'm a tiny person, sure. so I think I can, like, handle that a little more. But, yeah, definitely, kind of towards the end of it, you go through a swamp, and it gets kind of claustrophobic. But, you know, that's spooky stuff it's the spookiest but yeah the if you're planning on going i highly recommend upgrading to a vip ticket it's just nine dollars more than a regular ticket and it gets you right in the door um but if you don't want to pay that nine dollars for your vip you know no worries the line is kind of long depending on what time you go i went uh, around six on like a saturday night so you know of course it's going to be more packed on the weekends mm-hmm. Um, but they make it worth your wait. They've got some actors going up and down the lines, taking pictures with people and scaring the teenagers that are on their phones. And it's very entertaining to wait in line as well. Yeah, it sounds almost as scary as Kathy Lambert's policies. <laughs> Not quite as scary, though. <laughs> um, we got another Lindsay Anderson special. I've been loving your book club every week. You know, it's a, it's a highlight of my week. Uh, let's talk about Aiden Thomas. And we don't have to go too deep into it because... People should read the interview, I think. But let's talk a little bit about Cemetery Boys and Lost in the Neverwoods, uh, his books. Yes, so there's a little bit that didn't make it into my article, so I can share that. Oh, please, um, yes. Give a little tidbit to these people. So Aiden Thomas, he has a really interesting story about his kind of rise to fame. He wrote Lost in the Neverwood first, and it was going to be his debut novel. And then he proposed the idea of Cemetery Boys to his editors, and they loved it so much. They said, no, no, we need to put your first book on hold. You need to write this, and this is going to be your debut. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so he actually wrote his second book first. So Cemetery Boys, it was very, you know, I wouldn't say personal, but it's it's about Latinx culture, and Aiden Thomas is Latinx. Um, it's also about a trans man is the main character, and Aiden Thomas is a trans man, so it's, you know, a lot closer to 
his own experiences, although he was very candid about how he does not believe that his personality is in the book at all. I mean, like, you know, he is not Yadriel, the main character. Uh, the other book, A Lost in the Neverwoods, it is not LGBT. The main character is a cis, straight, white woman, um, girl, white girl. But it's still a very interesting book and, you know, highly recommends. And Aiden Thomas said after that book, he plans to continue writing um, queer and people of color stories. I grew up in a, in a pretty diverse, uh, for a small town, it is California, you know, so we got to read a lot of like Latinx and Chicano literature. And like, mm-hmm. I love to see that it's coming forward into the 21st century, embracing trans and LGBTQ stories to see authors out there um, expressing their truth. It makes me really, really happy because I have friends who are Latinx, right? And their family won't necessarily um, accept them for who they are because they're queer and Mm -hmm. it breaks my heart but it's it's really good to see that that is becoming part of the culture of the United States Um, yeah as just like this is my truth and this is who I am and you know I, I love that I gotta read this I I think so far this is one of my favorite books I've read I think I say that about a lot of the books but it's it's just really good it's heartwarming it's hilarious just yeah it gives you kind of that taste and one thing that i thought was really interesting um coming as a cis white person you know um is that he he really opened my eyes to the struggles of not only you know experiences of being trans but being trans and latinx because it's a culture that is very rooted in gender Um, There's gender roles that are very sacred and traditional um, and let alone being, you know, queer, being any kind of, you know, not filling that gender role is difficult enough, but being trans makes it it's a whole other monster. Um, And one thing that he really gets into in the book as well is that Spanish is it's a gendered language, you know, Um, and so there's just so many more landmines to walk into to be misgendered Mm -hmm. um, even by mistake. You know, so I was like that. I, I can't imagine kind of those struggles as well. So go read Cemetery Boys is what we're saying and uh, yes, experience it for amazing. yourself. You can pick up a copy at Elliott Bay Books. Um, oh, yeah. Also, just about any other independent bookstore. This book is everywhere right now. Fantastic. It is the last week of October, which means it's also the last week of the LGBTQ plus history project that we've been doing um, with Nigma, which is our... Um, sort of publishing crew or publishing group uh, under the Rivendell umbrella. Yeah, a little peek behind the curtain here. And we've got some great pieces by Cynthia Laird and Victoria A. Brownworth. And I recommend you go check them out. They're pretty dense pieces. All of our history pieces this month have been, but totally worth the time. A lot of uh, the criticism that I've received as an editor for a long-standing paper is that as a 26-year-old, I don't understand the history or won't acknowledge the history of what's going on. I'm non-binary, I'm bisexual, I'm kind of a mess of a person for like, I say traditional because it's kind of what we've come to accept, but it's not traditional at all, queer culture. In the past, we've been really focused on uh, cisgender, gay, and white, and that was kind of America's view of what it means to be queer. It's the most palatable version. The, the most palatable version due to media and, you know, exposure and whatever. It was the least scary. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I think that, like, fetishization has really played into that as well. It with, definitely you know, has. It definitely all has. All the white girls really wanting to 
gay best friend. Sure, but due to that, we have gotten some flack about how we do not uh, respect the history of this paper. Um, the LGBTQ plus history project is very, very close to my heart. I think that those who don't recognize the mistakes we made in history are doomed to repeat it, which is, of course, a cliche that you hear in every war movie, every natural disaster movie, but it's true. Isn't it the pretext to every AP U.S. history um, exam as well? Yeah, all A-push. I recognize the uh, criticism of our paper now being largely younger writers and younger people, but I do think that our LGBTQ plus history month pieces are very, very important. LGBTQ history is important, and yeah. I think it's important for us to also recognize, though, that despite being young people, we, we're making history, we're living history right now. And, you know, as much as a lot of those, you know, big LGBTQ historians, historians, historical figures, were white, cis, gay men, you know, um, the movement was started by a black trans woman. Um, Stonewall, the first brick throne, was by Marsha P. Johnson. Mm -hmm. So, you know, despite our paper maybe being more, um, you know, trans, more queer, less white, cis, you know, that's that's also deeply rooted in our history, and it's important to explore those histories that haven't always been explored. It's not an attack on whiteness or being cisgender, obviously. Oh, yeah, no. I check all those boxes. You do. Um, I do encourage everyone out there to go and read the paper. It's free. It has a lot of great pieces. This issue, I had to stand in for our comic guy, so my comic is in there. Um, it's sort of dumb. You, you drew it? I drew that, yeah. Oh, I gotta find it. Yeah, it's right above the horoscope where the comic always is. I'm on the website, so I gotta scroll. Oh, it's not on the website. Oh. Comics and horoscope don't go on the website, so that's an exclusive that you get. But, Lindsay. Yes. Once you're back in the city, there are 152 stops that you can go to. Uh, soon we will have all of those stops listed on our website for your convenience, listener at home. Um, I think it's about time to wrap up. We've been talking for a while. There's a lot of good stuff in this issue. There's a Dune review. Um, I'm a giant nerd, so that was cool. And I'm a giant Timothy Chalamet fan. What is up with Timothy? N sorry. We're, what is his problem? <laughs> what is his deal? I, I don't think he has a problem or as an aesthetic that I want. I don't know if I want to be him or be with him, you know? Um, I think I just want to look like him. Fair. But, yeah. Yeah. He, he's super cute. I love Timothy. He looks like a little Victorian child that, you know, is dying. He's like my age, right? He's like 26, 27. Is he? I thought he was my age. I mean, it's, we're literally, we're, it's within what, four years of one another? You're the yep. age of my younger it's like brother. An yeah. Sure. You're the age of my cousin that just got married. Well, now I'm going to go have an existential crisis. <laughs> um, it's been me all weekend. So go read the Dune review. I read the books. The books changed my life because it was a really rough time for me. But to be honest, Lindsay, you kind of brought this up. Most of my life has been a really rough time for me. Just how I've I'm lived sorry so to much. Bring that in up. <laughs> <laughs> it's how I've lived so much in my 20, 26 years. Let's jump back to the vampire thing real quick before we go. You're not the first person to tell me that, and I still don't understand what it is. You just have a vampire vibe. I can't explain it, you know? Is it my, my incredibly dark eyebrows and piercing gray eyes? Or is it just that I'm tired all the time during the day? Those are all telltale signs of being a vampire. You don't sleep? I, yeah, well, that's, that is actually a, a medical condition that I have. Which I guess I'm vampirism sorry. is a, is a medical condition. 
if you really mm-hmm. think about it. Anyway, this has been the SGN uh, Spooktacular on Radio SGN. Thank you so much for listening to us chat. And Yeah. Oh, and check us out on social media as yeah. well. Tell us what you're going to be for Halloween. I want to know. Absolutely. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, as always, appreciate your being here. Look for us on newsstands all over the city and parts of Tacoma. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the funny pages. Radio SGN is recorded by A.V. Eichenbaum, Anna Saunders, and Lindsay Anderson, and produced by A.V. Eichenbaum. Music for this show was by Jesse Spillane and T.R.G. Banks, or was provided for free by Anchor. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in next time.